What's up, everybody? Trey Llewellyn here with Commerce Kings. What's going on? We got Ryan Moran on the scene. Dude, what's going on, man? How are you? This is real. This is really happening. First, first is, of all, I'm a little bit worried because I'm, I'm afraid think, people are going to think we're twins. They and, could. And, and sec, second of all, I've been hearing that we need to hang out for years. I'm amazed this is the first time we're meeting. So this is real. This is finally happening. I'm glad, I'm glad we finally made it happen. It's, uh, uh, it's things like a podcast that, uh, that people have make time for, but like, you know, like Thanksgiving, you can't, you don't have time, right? I, you, I don't quite get what you're saying. You mean you don't have time for Thanksgiving? No, like, you know, if your friend, like, like when's the last time you hung out with friends? They're like, man, Ryan, you're so busy. Like you never hang out. Oh. <laughs> but as soon as, as soon as the podcast comes up, like, Hey, you want to be on a podcast? Dude, I'll make time for that. Like, see, and that's why all my friends back home need to launch podcasts if they want to hang out with me. That's, that's all you got to do. That's the secret sauce. <laughs> that's how it goes in. So dude, I want to like our listeners, our listeners, like they love commerce. They love e-commerce. You're big into it. You got a lot of stuff going on. I want to hit just some like some milestones in your life and what you're going on, what's going on with you today and just have a conversation if that's cool. Sure. So what, what's some like, like what got you, like you own capital, capital, capital.com, uh, right? You can do it, Trey. Let's try again. You Is can it do capitalism? That. There you go. There it is. Capitalism.com. So you bought that, right? Uh, well, you could say I bought it I, or you could say I slept my way to the top. Um, <laughs> I, I, uh, yeah, it's actually a really good story. So I, I was setting kind of the vision for the company that I wanted to build, Trey. And as I, as I mapped it out, you know, my, my podcast is called Freedom Fast Lane. Yep. And I, I realized that's a great name for a podcast and maybe a book. It's a terrible name for a company. It sounds a little bit uh, biz It sounds a little bit like make money from homey, which isn't who I wanted to be in the world. And the real name, the actual, the, the name for that podcast was, was decided with my mentor over a lot of scotch and it stuck. So we, but I knew it wasn't the name of, of like the company I wanted to build. And so I went out to get, uh, I wanted either freedom.com or capitalism.com. And I didn't go after freedom.com because everybody has a different idea of what freedom is, but capitalism represented all the ideas that were important to me because I studied economics, politics, and business in college while I was building my first business during the 2008 presidential election. So those are like all of my passions in one. I contacted the guy. The guy had kind of a, he had sat on for 19 years, unused, parked as a domain, and he wanted to keep it out of the wrong hands. So yeah. I just listened to him tell stories for, for a few hours and told him my perspective on life and politics and the economy. And uh, he said to me, you know, Ryan, I, I think the best way we could win people over to a pro-capitalistic argument is through healthy debate. And I said, David, can I, can I offer a different opinion to you? I think the best way we, could, we can change people's minds is by leading by example. And we do that by creating capitalists out of people. And because of, of what I do, he said, I want to sell the domain to you. And that was how I became the owner of Capitalism. How much, how much did you pay for the domain? It was six figures, I'll tell you that. It was six figures. Do you have like a, the actual amount of six figures? Yes. As opposed to what? As For, fake, as like, fake. What was the, like what was the amount? Was it a hundred grand, 200 grand? Like, yeah, it was, actually big just over, it was actually just over a hundred grand. So hundred grand. So how did you have the money to get to buy the domain? How did I have the money? Did, did you hear me say something my way to the top? Um, I, <laughs> uh, the way I had the money, I mean, I, I've been, I've been an entrepreneur since I was 18 years old, since 2006. Um, I made a lot of money as an affiliate marketer for years 
Okay. Um, I, I mean, I mean, I made the majority of my wealth over the last five years by building physical products brands and okay. marketing them through funnels, e-commerce, Amazon, and uh, getting them to about a thousand retail stores nationwide. Um, I've now sold a couple of companies. At that time, I was making the mo- majority of my money from my physical products brands, and I had a lot in savings from when I was an affiliate marketer and like promoting info products and stuff like that. So that's how I had the hundred grand. So that wasn't like I got a hundred grand in my bank. Hopefully, this works out. That was oh, a- no, 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 no. So, so like, no. I, I've been an entrepreneur since 2006. This was like the new direction I wanted to take my company. So it was a strategic investment. No, it's great. And so, and it's paid off? I'd say it's the best money I ever spent. Really? That's awesome. Yeah. So what, what's some of your, that's an, I didn't know the physical brand parts. So what's the, what's some of like your physical brands that you're known for? Yeah. So, I mean, I had a sports nutrition company called Sheer Strength Labs, which right. um, I, I took to about $10 million a year, mostly from amazon.com. I sold a majority stake in that business last year for, for eight figures. I still own... I still own, what are you giggling about, Trey? You love, you love that figure. Like, what was the, like, why can't you tell us the amount? Yeah. So, well, because there was a valuation on it. We valued it at like 15 or $16 million. I sold a majority stake in that. So I received just over $10 million for that. And That's I, great. Owned, and I still maintained a, a 20% stake in the company, which oh, really? as, yeah, as, as we continue to grow the business, as we continue, I hope that 20% ends up being worth more sure. than what, than what my previous check was. Um, I had a, I had a, a yoga business. It was called Zen active sports, which a lot of people know me for because I documented the build out of that company on my podcast. Um, and I sold that before it was a year old, a group came up to me and, uh, um, and, and proposed a deal that we were both happy with. And I have, uh, I have a, a portfolio of brands which I both buy and start around audiences. I've done two acquisitions in that. One is a supplement company called The Healthy Fats Co. And another is a beauty brand called Fox Brim. I'm glad we're jumping into this early because I hate it when people are like, I don't talk about my brands. I don't talk about the physical products I sell. And I'm like, why? Mine are Sheer Strength, Fox Brim, The Healthy Fats Co. Yeah, I'm Fats curious. Sports. So, all right. So go back to, uh, the Amazon business. how did you find the buyer for that? So we, we went to market. So we packaged okay. up with the broker and we went to market okay. and we went to market before we thought we were ready. Cause it was more like, we know we want to sell at some point. And so let's go through the process of looking what this all looks like. And we ended up meeting a buyer that we were really happy with. That's based out of Dallas. I'm in Austin. Okay. Um, been a great relationship working with that team. Okay, that's cool. And is it a big company that bought it? Was like some dude or? It was, it was a private equity group and a private okay. equity group. So I learned a ton about the private equity model throughout that process, which is basically they raise their money through private investors and then they buy a company, they maintain their stake, they bring in the infrastructure to grow the business. And so what's interesting about private equity is, is they're in the power position, but they're like producers, right? They're not, they're not the actor in the play. They're not the writer in the play. They're the producer. They bring everybody together, including the capital. And as a result, they do really cool things like buy companies and grow them to a point where they can sell them for a whack ton of money, which I think That's is amazing. So, yeah. so, that, so was that the biggest check you've received was the 10 mil? Uh, well, I don't know when, as the, as the time of this recording, yes. Um, hopefully by the time it goes live, 
you know, another $10 million will show up. But as of today, yes, that's, that's so how, like, how was that? Like, like was like, what, how'd you feel, man? You know, it's funny, Trey, because there was so much stress go like, and it, it was just like the bachelor. That's how it was. <laughs> you, know, you know, you know, I've never seen an episode of the bachelor in my life, but I'll tell you, I've picked every winner since episode one. I can, I, I've nailed it. Um, so I've, I've, I have no idea how the bachelor works, but assuming that I did and had a weird secret obsession with reality shows, I tell you, it was very much like the bachelor because you're like, Oh, this is interesting. There's this person who's, who's interested in the deal. I'm not sure how we feel about them. All right. Now there's an LOI on the table. Okay. We move on to the next round. We got our first rows. And then it's, you know, you go through due diligence and you go through your books and you talk and you meet the people and you start to know, and you got your second rows. And then it comes down to like, you know, the final rose ceremony. And you're thinking about, oh my goodness, could this actually happen? Like, could I, could I actually marry this, this company? Could, this really, could we really get into business together? And then it completes and you get a whole lot of roses. Uh, <laughs> about, you know, millions of roses show up. And it was interesting, Trey, because at first it was like, I, I had about a week of elation, like a week of, oh my goodness, this is great. And then I went right back into workaholism. Um, yeah. And probably worse than I had before. And it's taken me until the last couple of months to get my life back into like balance because I was so used to just hard charging running this company. Yeah. And then I exited operations and it was like, you know, I had this big gap to fill and, and I did not fill it in a healthy way. It's taken me this long to kind of get my life back into balance. That's amazing. Uh, yeah. It, well, how long has that been? Like interesting, amazing, not fun. But well, yeah, no, I've like I've I've went I've, I I was the opposite of that. I lost a lot of money, and it took me a while to get back. Uh. So it's interesting how you made a nice transition to money, but it took like so. How long? How long was that period of like receiving, receiving and, check to now? Like how long has that been? Uh, it's been it's been almost exactly a year. Really? It, it took me about eight or nine months. It, it took me it took me eight months to realize that I had developed a lot of bad habits. And then it took me about two or three months to like catch them, undo them. And it's only now that I'm like getting back into balance and back into like uh, being on the right track. I'm of the opinion, I don't know how you feel, but I'm of the opinion that your biggest breakthroughs don't come when you're super busy. Like your your biggest breakthroughs come when you've got like the room and the energy and the focus Mm -hmm. to have them. And so I'm now in that point where I have cleared a whole lot of room for that next thing to hit and everything in me wants to force it right everything in me wants to just like smash it and, yeah. and hustle but, I, but i'm of the opinion that like the best thing come the best things come when you say no to a lot and then you say yes to one you go all in on that one and that's kind of where i am in my course of my career right now that's amazing so going back i want to i want to kind of like dig into that moment because it's really interesting for me uh so you got the 10 million dollar check you went with a week so what, how was the feeling when they took the keys and you, you had no more like control. You're like that 20%, I would say. Like, I don't know how that works, but like, can you explain that? Like, well, that part was great. Thoughts. I mean, so, so, so that, that part was great Okay. of, of having the keys handed over. Yeah. The, the first three months were really tough because there was a lot of transition and like training and you don't agree with all the decisions you're like no you don't you don't understand yeah and 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 it took probably six months for for the business to really 
start to settle and fly again. But so the, the moment of getting the check, I had no problem letting go of the operations of the business. But there was definitely like a hole that was left by a lot of emotional needs that were left by, that were, you know, met by the business. So yeah. the moment for me was like, I can't believe it. This is, this is like, this is real. Like all that time you're like, I don't know. Like it's this fantasy land that's going to come one day. And then the check shows up and you go, Oh, like, okay. And I spent the weekend kind of being very bewildered and not sure what to do. And then a <laughs> week of excitement, a week of like, this is like what I guess, what am I going to do? Like, this is great. And then, and then right back into workaholism. Like it's, was it, it was, an actual check or was it a wire? It was a wire. Okay, so that I, took, that I took a picture of and printed out so that I could hold it. Like, <laughs> what I guess had been what eleven wires? Because the most you can wire is like nine hundred grand. No, it was it was actually one wire. It was one wire. Wow. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. Know, maybe that's only maybe that's for international then, because I know I can only international under a million. I can't not more than eight guys split it up. So that's interesting. They were able to. So you're just so you're logging in. What was that? There was a movie like that. Like Nap was it Napster or something where he's logging in and like logging in and then all of a sudden it's like boom it's there you're like all right I think you might be thinking of Office Space when is that what it is? Have, when they have the hacker system to <laughs> shave off every penny into the yeah. bank account and he logs in they're like oh no this is bad yeah <laughs> but yours was real <laughs> this this was real yes this and was it was real. you didn't rob a bank and you got you get, you did it right and you're like that's amazing that's huge so do you, so obviously you want to go at it again. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know if you know this about me, Trey, ever since I was a kid, um, my dream, I, I, my dream of being a baseball player, that was what I wanted to be when I grew up. I grew up a huge Cleveland Indians fan and uh, I wanted to play first or second base for the Cleveland Indians. This is like, this is my dream. And uh, I realized by about age 10 that I did not have the skills to play first or second base for the Cleveland Indians. Um, I could barely, I could barely play rec, right? I was always a better coach than a manager. And uh, I decided I wanted to be the general manager of, of a baseball team. I wanted to be the guy making trades and signing free agents and scouting players. And then I ended up going to school to be a pastor, um, which does not lead to being the manager of a baseball team. I did not finish that route uh, for reasons that would be an entirely different podcast. Um, but I, I would, uh, uh, when I, when I was in school, I was like, well, I didn't study sports management and there's one job in the world. Like you, to be a general manager, you've got to go through the right cracks, get the attention of the right person, be promoted by somebody else. This is stupid. I'm never going to be the, the manager for a team. I've got to own the team and give myself the job. So my dream as an entrepreneur has been to own a major league baseball team Okay. And so 10 million, I used to say that I was about a, I was a, I was a billion dollars short from owning a baseball team. Now that I've sold a company, I'm about a billion. dollars. <laughs> so, so yes, I got to give it a go. I have, I have a few more dollars to earn in my career before that dream is realized. So you, you mentioned the word freedom earlier when you're kind of like, when we start, when we're starting the call, what I think anybody outside of our norm watching a call that some some guy just cashed a 10 million dollar check they'd be like dude what do you feel free do you feel what's freedom to you <laughs> um you know it's that is a really interesting question um for two reasons one 
I just got back from Ukraine or I was giving a keynote and right in the center of town, you know, they're first generation capitalists. Yeah. Yeah, they were under, they were under Soviet rule uh, in, 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 in our lifetimes. Right. And uh, you go to the city center and there's this big banner right in the center of town that says freedom is our religion. It's like, it's the greatest thing ever for <laughs> my because freedom is my favorite word and I come from a very religious background and am no longer religious. So uh, that idea, of, I, I, it was very refreshing and kind of beautiful to see a country that had fought for freedom in our lifetime and has it. But to me, it's just the ability to pursue what excites me. Like it is, it is the space through which we can fill it with what excites us. I think a lot of times entrepreneur like, and people in our space they crave this elusive idea of freedom without any attention paid to how they're going to fill it. And freedom to me is just space. Like it's, it's potential. It's like an empty room and like freedom is, is the space through which we can pursue whatever it is that we want to pursue. And a lot of times we think of it as freedom from something. I want to be free from my job. I want to be free from an alarm clock. I want to be free from money problems, free from stress. I want to get rid of all this like, old furniture that I don't want anymore. And we're left with this empty room. And one of the like crisis of meanings that entrepreneurs have is once they have the ability to clear it out, the question is like, well, how do I decorate this place? Like, what do I do? What do I pursue now? And I had to deal with a lot of that. I think that's why I went right back into workaholism after I sold the company because I didn't have like, I don't have a passion. Like some people say like, find your passion. Like I'm not into any one thing enough. What I'm into is like creating. Like what I desire most is that feeling of being in a place where I'm creative and I am giving and I'm inventing and I'm sharing. That to me is exciting. So freedom is the space through which we pursue what excites us. And to some people that's, they want to spend time with family. For some people that's, they want to do whatever their one passion is And for some people, it's just to create new things. And so what I'm excited about next is the space to create that next company that has no attachment to how it's going to impact my finances. Mm -hmm. I'm building a company that I'm just excited about because I'm excited about it and doing it for no other reason that I am excited about it with no attachment to how much money is this going to make me. And as I study all the greatest, most impactful entrepreneurs on the planet, they've all had that pivot at some point where the business becomes not about what it's going to drive them financially. It's because of some other driver and money is the byproduct. Now there's plenty of entrepreneurs who become fabulously wealthy pursuing money, Mm -hmm. you and me included. But I think the really, really successful people that we all admire had that pivot at some point where they either had their boxes checked because they had enough passive income or money in the bank or whatever, or they just naturally were wired to pursue that other need or that other driver rather than how much money they were going to make and money became the byproduct. That's great. So you're, and and I would, I would have to say that your passion is my passion, which is to create. Beautiful. It's like like we're twins. Pretty much. So I could, I could totally, like I could totally go sell snow cones. Like I don't care. I could go sell like, you know, guns and ammo, which we do. I could go sell, like, it doesn't matter. Like I love, I, I, I love that because it's exactly how I feel is the creation. When the first time I read the book, Think and Grow Rich, 
I wanted to go take that book and everybody, like my newest friends, I would hand that to them and say, if you want to ever get in my head, this is in my head. Like mm. this is, this is where like my head is always at, but I'm just unable to explain it. He did it great. Lynn just be like, here you go. This is me in a, in a box. So I love, I don't know if you love that book, but that's a one I love. Well, I, I have this, uh, the way, the way I see it is when you're truly present in whatever you're doing, like that is when you have won. And that yeah. is when it no longer becomes, like we're all seeking that presence and that focus. And some people say, I'm going to make all the money so that I can feel this way. And some people just feel that way. And as a result, they get everything else. It's like, uh, for, forgive my religious background, but, but it's that idea of, of seek seek the kingdom first and all these other things will be added unto you. And to me, the kingdom is like that presence. It's like that peace with what is. And I said in a YouTube video recently that, that I have this, this idea of if I lost everything, I would probably go, go work at juice land, which is this juice smoothie place <laughs> in Austin, Texas. And I'd probably be deliriously happy as long as I was present in that experience because because that's what we're all seeking at the end of the day. We're all seeking like this presence and this peace with what is. I used to be afraid that I would lose everything. And when I was a kid or a kid, when I was like 15, 16, I worked at Dunkin' Donuts. It was my first job. Uh, the corner of Pearl and Snow in Parma Heights, Ohio. Uh, Pearl and Snow. At Dunkin' Donuts, you know, making donuts, scooping ice cream at Baskin Robbins. And I always had this fear that like if I lost everything, I'd have to go back and work at Dunkin' Donuts at Baskin Robbins. And then I realized when I was like, you know what? If that ever happened, I'd be the best damn donut salesman ever. Like I'd be upselling people. I'd be I know everybody's names. I'd be like going to all the churches, selling them donuts. Like and and if and if you if you can enjoy that, then guess what? They notice you, they promote you, like you end up owning your own stores. I know I'm now like, you know, I'm now executive at Dunkin' Donuts having a great time. So like as long as you are present and fully immersed in whatever it is that you're doing, you've won. And that's when I think the greatest success is possible. One more rant, just because this is fun. Someone was telling me a story recently um, about Jerry Seinfeld. Jerry, you know, Jerry Seinfeld, is a, Jerry. A, he's a billionaire. Is he like, really? You get this? Like he's a, he's a billionaire as a comedian. And he was telling me that, that, that Jerry Seinfeld at the beginning of his career used to say, if he could just make enough to be able to have dinner paid for by comedy, that was like amazing to him. Right. And it had this shift in my brain. If I was like, what's that thing that I'd be so jazzed about that if I just got dinner paid for by doing it, I would be super excited because it's probably that thing that would result in the billion dollars. Like that's your greatest shot to make the billion. It's usually not finding the next product or the next keyword that's going to rank or the next, the oh, next yeah. funnel. It's probably the thing that you're going to be so jazzed about that you're going to consistently get better at it over decades of hard work and enjoy the process the entire time. Like that's your best shot at becoming a billionaire. Did you find it? Uh, well, right now it's the thing I'm pursuing is being in that zone of creation. And uh, I expect that that thing, whatever it is, will show up as a result of being in that place rather than pursuing opportunity. Do you, do you mind sharing? Cause you haven't mentioned it yet. So I don't know if you're keeping it under wraps of what you're building. 
Oh, sure. Yeah. So right okay. now I'm assembling a, a, a fund for physical products brands. Oh, cool. And, okay. And so I have like a board of advisors that I'm putting together to where I'm investing in physical products brands and basically incubating them because I have connections in retail. I have connections with funnels. I have connections with capital. I have connections with Amazon. And we can essentially incubate these physical products brands. Nice. And at the same time, I've spread my message and I host my podcast on capitalism.com, which is basically my media property for high achievers and entrepreneurs. Yeah. So uh, go back to like just your, your past a little bit. Looking at that, like there, like it seems like it was like Ryan Moran was born. It was like, whoop, sold $10 million and we kept going. But you know, I've seen that picture as well as you have probably of the entrepreneur, the real, the real story, right? Like all crazy. So if we were to, if we were to go into a deep depression mode, what, what do you think would, would come up from like just you're going to have to go back to work into, at Dunkin' Donuts or like I don't know if this is going to work or uh, I might have to go bankrupt. Like, what, what were some of those moments like? And then how'd yeah, you get well, out of it? Which one would you like? Um, well, whichever, yeah. whichever one hits the mind first is usually the best. Well, you know, I would say I'm, I'm kind of coming out of one. Yeah, um, okay. You know, I, I, would, I would say my life seems to go in four-year cycles. And my four-year cycle looks like I have this big jump upward. And then I, get into def- I have gotten into defense mode. And the defense mode looks a lot like running on a hamster wheel where I'm not excited about anything, nothing's working, I'm like in the grind and like nothing's moving, and then I tend to recede. And when I recede, I cut out a lot of things that aren't working, and then I have my next big jump up. It's, mm-hmm. it's, why, I, it's why I say that I, I think that entrepreneurs have the biggest leaps forward when they have cleared out a bunch of junk that's held them back. It's not from being super busy. So for me, I have had this cycle of whenever I'm like, cleared i i have this big jump up a big opportunity that i just smash and people say wow you came out of nowhere and then it becomes monotonous and there's about a year where i'm like spinning my wheels i get frustrated i cut out all the things that aren't working i go into a deep depression as a result of something not working yeah and then i, I get my life back on track and then some new thing comes through as a result of there being a lot of space for that what, what experiment do you have a system do you have a system for that depression to getting back on track, like, right. Like, how do you, like, what's happening right there for you? What's happening like in the trough? Well, you're down. Right. And then you, like, it's either you hit, <laughs> there's uh, the, there's a, there's a movie me and my little son watch and uh, I forget the name of it right now, but he's like, we've hit bottom. Right. And the only way is up. So <laughs> up we go. But like when, when you, when you're hitting those rock bombs, just like screw me, like, what are you doing in your mind? Like, what are you doing? Do you have like a, a routine or, or a system or something that is just snapping you out of that and you're just like propelling back up? Kind of, yes. And, and the way that I sort of discovered, discovered this magic secret formula sure. <laughs> was in 2013. In 2013, I moved from Cleveland, Ohio to Austin, Texas. And I started a new business, lost $100,000, went into a deep, dark, like, my life is over. I'm never like, I'm, I'm a failure of an entrepreneur. Like, I can't believe I took all these risks. I hired too many people too quickly. This was, how could I have been so stupid? What was I thinking for like three to six months? And then, and then the thing that like took me out of it, the system that I developed, um, which has taken me out of a couple of these cycles now is all right, 
that didn't work in business. So I don't know what my next thing is going to be. So I'm going to focus on every other area of my life. So mm. fitness becomes a major priority for me. My diet becomes a major priority for me. Trey, sleep becomes a major priority because like as of right now, um, I'm coming off of like four years of, <laughs> you know, what my daughter's three. So I didn't sleep for the first year and a half. And then I was a workaholic for the other year and a half. Like, so I have a lot of time to make up on sleep. Um, I'm going to, you know, I, I do this. I make a list of the relationships in my life that I want to cultivate and I want to be deeper. And okay. um, I host you know, I host events at my house with those 10 people or I, uh, nice. I, I have a, a standing Sunday brunch at my home where I invite, you know, five or six of those deep relationships over to my home. Mm. I write them letters. Um, I, it, I, I, I cultivate those 10 to 15 relationships in my life that, that I want to cultivate. And so I look at every other area of my life besides business and I say, all right, I feel like I got kicked in the teeth on business. So I'm going to make every other area of my life the priority. And what's funny is when I do that, the opportunity comes up because it comes from one of the relationships that I have, or it comes as a result of me having a lot of energy to focus on that thing that shows up or to just try my hand at something. And I become so enthralled with it that it becomes successful. So it's as a result of not figuring out what the next step is, but really dialing in all the other areas of my life where that I ultimately start coming out of those dips. Yep. So I don't have a system that pulls me out of it, but I have the habits that make the, 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 the window shorter, like the, the, the trough, the hitting rock bottom. It makes it shorter where I think some people get crushed by that. And so where before it would like knock me on my butt for a year, then six months. Now it's like a month where I feel sorry for myself and then I start growing yeah. again. I was just going to say the opposite. It looks, it looks to me as in with this, with the system that you're doing is you found new love for yourself. Cause like your diet, you're loving your body, fitness, yeah. love that. And then relationships, you're like, you're, you're surrounding yourself with people who love you and you love back. And yeah. it's like, I am worth something. And then that opportunity arises is like, let's do it. Yeah. I, I wouldn't have thought to call it that, but I actually think that's pretty accurate that's because, because those, those, those negative thoughts that come up as at the tail end of a failure mm -hmm. often disguise themselves as something like, I'm never going to be good enough. Yeah. Nothing's ever going to work. Everybody's passing me. That was a big one for me. It was like, mm -hmm. everybody's passing me now. I'm the old guy that's washed up. Like those types of thoughts start to come in. And uh, you're right. That, that is like, there, there's no self love in that. And, uh, Somebody told me once that prioritizing self-care sends a, a signal to the subconscious that you are worth taking care of. Mm -hmm. And now that that's a priority for me, I feel like, yeah, like it, you come back online, if you will. Yeah. yeah, I love this. You should like you should create like a little PDF around this of like how to come back, like a setup. A setback is just a setup for a comeback. Oh, that's a good hook, Trey. Well, I didn't create it, but I just know about it. That's on. That's I'll on. Say, wait till I target you. I retarget you with a Facebook ad. That you'd be like, man, I came up with this phrase. It's all over Facebook now. <laughs> I came up. A set, yeah, that. No, I don't know if you've ever heard that. It's on eight. The number eight tracks dot com, and it's that. Wow. It's a whole list of just amazing thing, like auditorial, like uh, scripts that people like say, like I don't even want to even call it. Just like pump you up, kind of stuff, make you feel good. But eight tracks, and that's the title of it. 
a huh. setback is a comeback. Or no, a, I just said a setback it. is a setup for a comeback. There you go. Which you you know I've I've discovered is like it, that that is so true. Every time I've had a major setback, it was it was actually because whatever I was trying that wasn't working was never going to work in the first place. So having it be a setback is actually a blessing because otherwise I would spend my whole life doing something that was never going to get anywhere. So the faster you can rebound from that and recover from that, that's like, that's your opening. And so there's no, you like you don't have time to keep trying your hand at things that just aren't panning out, cut them and go into a different direction. And that's when your opportunities start to show up. Absolutely. Yeah. I got one more question for you. And then uh, we got to flip the screens behind the scenes. What were, so you got, you got 10 milli, got a little ch- a little wire that came in, right? So uh, a, a mentor of mine, uh, we were sitting down five years ago. I just, June 30th was my anniversary at four years for quitting my job, which is really cool. I didn't even know the date, but luckily Facebook remembered. Hmm. And, uh, you know, I sat down with this guy at five years ago and he was one of those guys who like saw success in me before I could see it. You know, it's kind of one of those. I, I think we all have those people. And one thing that he always told me is he goes, Hey, just, just so you know, when, whenever you make money, just, just have a plan. Know, know what you're going to do with the money when you get it. And I had no clue what the hell he's talking about. I was like, okay. And yeah. uh, his name was Mark. And, um, and then that day came, right? And it's like, dang, Mark was right. I should have had a plan to, to go do something with that. So I'm always asking the question, you know, to other superiors, like, where do you, where, where do you currently like park the cash? Like, are you, are you putting it in a piggy bank and hoping in a safe or do you go put in investments or are you going and grabbing the, the product incubator and helping those guys out? So like, where are you parking your cash to hopefully make you more money? Oh man, Trey is my favorite question. All right, all right let's, let's go to ask it. So, so what, I love that you're asking this because like all of my stuff is based on building companies to sell. Like, I work with a lot of Amazon e-commerce people yeah. that... You know, and, and on just like with funnels on Amazon, there's a lot of people who go from zero to a hundred thousand dollars a month in like six months. And then you know, after two or three years, they're getting ready to sell for a few million dollars. And I have, I have students that were broke four years ago that are getting two and a half million dollar checks. So like I have one student that sold for over $20 million and one who's just about to sell for $30 million. And, and, and we have this exact same conversation. And for me, step one is you need to keep as much of it as possible away from the greedy hands of the IRS. And one of the ways that you can do this, um, there are investments that you can write off differently than other places that you would put your cash. Now, full disclosure, not a tax accountant. Not, I, I know nothing about investing. I know you shouldn't listen to a thing I say because I have no credentials to give any advice on this. So please consider this entertainment purposes only. But my favorite is buying websites. Why buying websites have accelerated depreciation, which means you can write them off faster. In some cases, you can write them off immediately. You buy a website, it's making $10,000 a month. You'll buy it for a quarter million dollars. And that quarter million dollars is a write-off sometimes on day one. Ooh, that's nice. And so now you have an asset that has been 50% paid for from your tax savings on day one and is producing $10,000 a month in income. That's an okay investment. Um, There are things like real estate investment funds that I really like. I used to buy real estate outright. Now I just buy investment funds. 
Hmm. Um, and the reason for that is because I don't like the operations of owning my own real estate. I can get all the same tax benefits, cash flow, and upside from participating in real estate syndications and funds. Where do you, so, where do you find uh, the funds at? Where do you find them? Yeah. Through your own network. Um, okay. I can make some recommendations if you'd like. For example, like one of my buddies here yeah. in Austin runs one called Thrive. Uh, yeah. One of my clients is a... Um, that I personally, for full disclosure, I personally invest with them. Uh, they're called Four Peaks, uh, Four Peaks Partners. Like four, um, the number four? Like the number four, yep, Four Peaks Partners. Um, I invest in another one out of Cleveland, Ohio, which is where I'm from, which is called uh, Freeland Ventures or Freedom Financial Group. So these are all like real estate investment companies that so raise up Mark. investors and pay out a portion of the profits just is like freedom is freedom with mark what's that is the freedom with mark no freeland freeland ventures is uh is josh campwell oh josh okay yeah who's mark uh mark evans we had him on the podcast he's in oh, yeah, cool. mark evans dm that's the man yeah <laughs> so so uh so that that's what I, I look at websites i'm looking at our uh, real estate and then I have always, for, for the life of my career, taken 10% of my take-home income and just automatically had it deposited into my E-Trade account. My, my favorite investment strategy is old, boring, dividend-paying stock. Um, if you can show me an asset class that is publicly traded, that is performed better than dividend-paying stock over the last 50 years, I'd love to know what it is. Um, I've run the numbers every which way and dividend paying stocks seems to outperform just about everything. It's boring. It's old school. And that's why I put a boring strategy to automate it. So that's like my regular recurring process. And then whenever I get a windfall, I'm buying websites, I'm buying uh, real estate through the form of funds. And I also keep a, a decent amount of money in, um, in, I don't know if you're familiar with whole life insurance as an investment strategy, but yep. it's basically like you can become your own bank. Yep. Uh, we, talk, we talk about this a little bit on the podcast, but like these are all the different strategies where I'm like putting my money into specific buckets and I increase my lifestyle based on the passive income from my investments, not what I'm taking home from the business. So the first thing I do when I make money for my business, it's going into a investment the investment sends me money. That's where I increase my lifestyle, not from how much the business is making. So I don't drive as many Lamborghinis as Ty Lopez, um, <laughs> but I have a much more predictable, passive lifestyle that will stay around for decades, which allows me to stay in that zone of genius where we're pursuing excitement and we're developing businesses that we're really excited about. And that's what we're after at the end of the day. What's your, what's your nut? What's your, in your mind for like passive income per month? What do you, what's like, that's it. That's what I need. Oh, you know, they've done studies on this tray. And as soon as you hit it, it moves. Well, I mean, of course. Yeah, as soon as, so like, so like for me, $25,000 a month is like what I generate from my passive, from my passive income. And it's like, right now I'm like, oh yeah, like, logically I have all my, like that's all I could ever spend. Like, and it's from basically tax free sources. So it's like, I, it's, I'm good. But if I had a little bit more, right. So, so like it was always 25, first it was $10,000 a month and I got it. And it was 25 and I got it. And, you know, 
But like, yes, brain science, all of it suggests that when you hit the next thing, it just moves. And like, you're never at a point where you are done. So I just try to practice active contentment, active appreciation and gratitude for where I am. Because at the end of the day, like wealth, everything is a comparison. Wealth is a comparison. Mm. And we're all playing this stupid comparison game where so-and-so is making $100,000 a month and Russell Brunson's got a $100 million uh, software as a service company and this guy sold his company for eight figures. Who cares? Like we are all playing the stupid comparison game and even the guy who's making $100 million is looking at the other person saying, well, I don't have abs like that. Like we're all playing this stupid comparison game. And so the way you win is to opt out of that comparison system and to compare yourself to where you came from and being grateful and appreciative of what has happened in your life. That's when real wealth exists, which is a really frou-frou, fluffy way to end, but it's actually true. I love it. And I'm going to add one. So I've always had that Mark question in my head, like no, have a plan once you make your money. Now I got another one from you and it's going to have a plan once you sell your business. Amen, brother. Just, just one, have a plan. As much as, as possible. And then, then call me and I'll walk you through a plan. <laughs> I'll walk you through the pain. <laughs> it's actually my favorite thing to do. And I think in another life and maybe someday I'll probably run workshops for entrepreneurs on like how to keep and, and grow your wealth. Cause we're so good at making it and so bad at keeping it. And uh, what, what's the point if we don't keep it and enjoy it? Right. Absolutely. Man, this has been, this has been awesome. Uh, we're going to flip the screens. So everybody appreciate you being on here. We're going to go behind the scenes. Commerce Kings, join us, right? Join the masterclass, 10 bucks a month. Crazy. Join us. And we're going to, we're going to ask Ryan some questions a little more deep down. What changes his life kind of stuff. So Ryan, if you don't mind, stick on here and we'll flip the screens. We'll rock and roll. All right. Thanks for having me, Trey. Absolutely.